What's up, Internet? My name's David Webb. I get Nerdy Nightly, and I thought I'd share it with you. If you listen to the past episodes, you'll notice I didn't just jump right into that theme song, and that uh, is because this is not a typical episode. This is going to be a very different episode because it's the first ever interview on the pod. Uh, I managed to get my friend Madison Embry to come into my apartment, sit down at a table and talk into a microphone with me. She is an incredibly talented uh, actress, dancer, stuntwoman. She did the Marvel Universe live tour. We talk a lot about that. And most recently, she did some motion capture work for the new Mortal Kombat 11 coming out April 23rd. So we talk about that in this episode. Wanted to get in a friend to uh, help me break the ice on this interview podcast format while also talking about something nerdy, something in the genre of what this podcast is. Before I get into that, though, I just want to talk a, a couple of things, a, a quick, a quickie version of the pod. Um, Oscar nominations came out the yesterday morning, and... Yeah, uh, pretty pretty typical stuff. Uh, still disappointed Tony Collette wasn't nominated. Incredibly shocked that Won't You Be My Neighbor wasn't nominated. I thought it was a shoe-in to win, if I'm being completely honest. And uh, that's mostly it. I tweeted about it. Um, I tweeted about uh, how Aquaman didn't get nominated for special effects, but I talked about that in my year in review episode, so I'm not going to go too much into that now. But I still think it is a tragedy. They digitally removed all of that facial hair and then reapplied it with some motion, man. What do you got to do to get nominated in that category? Um, the other thing I want to talk about before I get into this is I saw Split. Not Split. I saw Glass. <laughs> um, I did watch Split. I watched uh, Split, Unbreakable. Uh, I watched Unbreakable, then Split, then Glass get ready for the new one finally yesterday um and i am you know cautious to say this but i, I really really dug it i am in the uh, dan merle from screen junkies called it the defenders of glass i am a pain dues member i think the movie is excellent and honestly i just can't wait to see it again and really get into the nitty-gritty of the acting performances i don't want to talk about it too much because Everything in this movie is, like, spoilable because it's just, like, a beat-by-beat -beat character piece where everyone just really, really digs into what makes their characters tick. And I I dug it. I really, really dug it. And I can't wait to fight with people about it for years to come. Uh, if you are a fan of... Honestly, I don't know what type of fan I would say to go see this. If you're a fan of movies that are a little bit slower and a little bit more um, methodical in their pacing, I think this is the superhero movie for you. Um, it feels a little bit like a 90s movie in that I feel like there's a lot of pacing decisions that were made to make it feel like it's in the world of Unbreakable. And it it just really, it just kind of chugs along at its tempo until it 
ends and everything that happens is, you know, sort of crazy off the wall superhero stuff uh, on a small scale. And I, I really think M. Night Shyamalan nailed it out of the park. I know a lot of critics and a lot of people do not agree with that statement, but man, I dug it. I dig all three of those movies. I think that is like a really solid trilogy of films. And I watched them all in one day back to back. So I can say that uh, it holds up. The the three hold up as sort of one unit. Uh, almost at five minutes here. I didn't want to take too much time at the beginning because this interview is almost an hour and a half. And with this intro, it's probably going to be 90 minutes. If you stick all the way around to the end, thank you. If you listen to this, thank you. I want to give a quick shout out to Alex Levitt. Uh, I think it's A underscore Levitt on Instagram. He is the guy who made the music that you're going to hear in a few seconds and at the end of the podcast. I love the dude. He's really talented. If you need some soundtracks, some theme music, hit him up. I have not been doing the best job of crediting him at the end of the episodes, and I want to be better about doing that from now on. So thank you to him. Thank you to you listeners. And I... Get Nerdy Nightly, let me share it with you. Uh, I, I think the last time I saw you was, I don't even know, probably at an audition, mm-hmm. probably at Pearl or something yes. like that. But um, I've never gotten to talk to you about like what it was like to do Marvel Universe live or anything like that. Yay. So, of course, I wanted to bring you in and talk to you about that stuff. And, of course, you just announced Mortal Kombat 11, which is why yes. I asked you to come do this, because I was like, that's incredible. Thank you. But, um, yeah. Uh, so, Madison Embry, thanks yes. for coming on the Nerdy Nightly Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for uh, having my me. first guest. This is fun and scary and awesome. Um, yeah. So, uh, we met in college. Yes, we did. And I need to get rid of that. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, so how did you, how, how have you been? I haven't seen you in so long. I'm great, thank you. I am great. I've been back in New York City for two years since ending my run with Marvel Universe Live. Mm-hmm. And I think something that really astounds me that I never anticipated was how many doors that opened for me. Yeah. Uh, as a performer and a person and friendships and that kind of set me up for a whole new life in New York that I never anticipated. Mm -hmm. I think my eyes had sort of always been very, I don't want to say closed, but very seeing that I danced and I was going to be a dancer and that was my path. And to then go on the road for two and a half years with athletes. I mean, the people I worked with, and I'm excited to talk about that with you. Mm. I was working with athletes covering a variety of genres. So like NCAA gymnasts, X Games winners Mm -hmm. from X Game. Yeah, X Games. Sorry, that's hard to say. X Games winners um, with motorcycles Mm -hmm. and skateboarders and other dancers and trickers and professional stuntmen. I mean... Everyone was an athlete at the top of their form and most importantly, really, really focused on growing. Mm -hmm. So everyone was wildly motivated and to just have them 
take me in and teach me. And I was super open to learning. I didn't particularly want to go in being like, I'm a dancer. I don't know what's happening right now. I wanted to really be like, so I've got this one skill set and I really think it's going to lend itself to fighting, but I need help. Mm -hmm. And I was really, really open to getting help. Um, so, uh, but you, so you started out as a dancer. You, you started out yes. really young. Yes. So I started um, dancing when I was five, and I okay. danced twenty-five hours a week from probably age eight to eighteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I competed, and I feel really fortunate. My dance studio. M- I'm still really, really close with my teachers, and I go back to my studio to teach a lot and choreograph. Where was that? Um, In Michigan, Waterford, Michigan, the dance shop. And they were just really, really big on competitions are just a way for us to perform. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have access to a ton of performance opportunity, and we really want to get these kids on stage, and we want them to understand the importance of discipline and performing under pressure and making friends and handling disappointment this is going to be a good way for them to do it. And so that was really, really invaluable. And then that led to going to Pace University. Where we met. Where we met, yes. Uh And uh, And all those dance classes. All the dance classes. No, you you were great. I I distinctly remember a ballet teacher telling me not to show up and she would give me a C if I didn't come for the rest of the semester. So... I oh. did. I'm frowning. Right, that makes me so sad. <laughs> no, I think it was. I, I I did well in like ballet one and two, mm-hmm. and then I needed. I think it was like ballet three. I ended up in because I needed the credit, and I. She was like, "You're just not flexible enough for this. Like, oh, I'll, bless. I'll pass you, but like, just don't come. Like, you're. It's it's just taking too much time away from the class." And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> great." I'm sorry. I mean, I guess that that works. I'm very sorry that happened. It's but. fine. I'm never, you know, I I, I, did, I was a ballet dancer growing up, but mm-hmm. uh, I hurt my knees yeah. when I was uh, in uh, high school. And so I'll just never, I'll never be able to do that stuff again. It's just not, you know, in my wheelhouse anymore. But that's fine. You know, yeah. uh, I'm okay with it. I actually hurt my knees. It's funny. I uh, You brought up the X Games. I used to, um, every summer I did a show and we had uh, four X Games motorcyclists. Oh my gosh! Uh, jumping over us on stage. Wait, where was the show? Uh, it's the Calgary Stampede Grandstand show. Uh, it's this like giant uh, after the Chuck Wagon races. What state? Night, Alberta, Cal- in Canada. Oh, in Canada. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering if we maybe have a. Um, do you know what the, their names were? Oh God, I used to, but like it's been ten years since I've done the show. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was our end of Act One number. We'd do Heartbreaker. That. Uh, and they would, these two giant ramps would come up out of the stage and they would jump over us while we were dancing. Oh yeah. And it was for like a 15 year old boy. I was like, this is the greatest. It's thing insane. Ever. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. Um, so, uh, wins pace while we're at pace, you were Miss Southern New York, which oh, is my gosh. so cool. You, you went from like dance competition to pageant competition. Yes. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about that one. I, I, I want to um, hear about it just cause it's one of those things where like. At the time, it was so cool because we were all just so proud of you. Thank but like, you. I have to imagine dance and like the pageant. You've uh, managed to accrue a sense of like work ethic because you you always seem to be going for things. You always seem to have so much like that you're working towards. And I imagine like part of that is being raised in those weirdly competitive worlds. Yes. So I think at that time, 
Where do I start? Okay. <laughs> We're just going to dig right in. Hi, Let's world. Let me bare my soul to you. So something that I've always envisioned and mm-hmm. when I like do my meditation and when I just kind of take a moment to be like, what's my future? I just always envision myself speaking to thousands, mm-hmm. doing something for thousands. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that at some point that number increases mm-hmm. and it's hundreds of thousands and then a million. And... So to me, at Pace, I was so fortunate because I started at Pace for Mm pre-law and then, and I was really jazzed about that. I was super jazzed about that. They have like an accelerated law program and the head of the dance program, Rhonda, I had met her when I was like 10. She came to my studio in Michigan and she had written this dance program and kind of all of a sudden I was having the chance to work in recruitment and reaching out to my friends on Facebook to be like, Hey, there's this thing that's happening here at pace that you, you're going to have to trust me because it's not a thing yet, but I think it's going to be unstoppable. And I think you could help build it. And so all of a sudden I got this chance to like be in recruitment Mm -hmm. and I've always loved interview and I've always interviewing people and getting interviewed and I guess helping people find their match. Mm -hmm. So for me, like I was always very honest in my tours with people. Like if it was really clear that pace just wasn't going to be good for them, um, in whatever sense, I mean, there's a kajillion colleges, so you don't, no matter how much prestige a place has, if it's not the right fit for you, then that's so okay. Oh, especially now in musical theater. Oh my gosh. I mean, musical theater, business, anything, there's just so many choices. And I feel like as 18 year olds, it's really easy to get swayed into what everyone else is doing. And it's really hard to take a moment and like find your voice and be like, this is what I want. I don't know. That's not usually a thing you have to do at 18. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know. That's such a big decision. I'm $100,000 in debt to the government because I was like, you know what? I would rather be in New York City than in Oklahoma. You know what I mean? And I maybe was the right choice, but like, you never know. You never know. And I also think, I mean, that'll be a whole different conversation. (laughs) I would love to be able to lead classes that give kids, I mean, they're, they're kids, a heads up of like this is what's going to happen. Like if you choose this option, you have to know what that looks like five years from now, because I think we're so focused on like getting the thing that we don't necessarily think about what that looks like. And you know, I don't, it's hard. It's so, it's it's so tricky. And it's also like, it's hard to explain to someone who's 18, how long that road is. Um, like, I was just reading an article the other day about Jessica Vosk, who's Elphaba. Oh, daughter my gosh, now, I love her. And how, yes. like, she graduated from college with a finance degree and was working on Wall Street. And, like, uh, you know, she's Elphaba now, but she's, you know, in her 30s. And the, the road to that Broadway career or to that movie career or whatever it is, it, it's not it, – it's long. And, like, there's a long Holy portion cow. of it. Especially, like, um, you know, I, I was – uh, you know, I have a certain amount of help from my family or did, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and a certain amount of stability that my family was able to provide me that I, a lot of people don't have. And like, you Completely. know, it makes, it, you know, it's a, it's an entitled sort of thing, unfortunately in the industry we work in, but it, it's a long road to any form of stability for the majority of people. Obviously there are those people who luck out and walk out of college with a Broadway gig and it happens, but for the majority of us, it's not, you know, that simple. No. And, and also, 
something we don't understand is like growing into our power and growing into the roles we'll play. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, like one of my dream roles is the leading player in Pippin mm -hmm. and 18 year old me was not there, no. was not there. Like I hadn't found my voice yet. I had this unbelievable physical skill set mm. as skills yet. That was Michigan. That was my Michigan accent. Um, this unbelievable physical skill set, but I didn't know how to make it a tool. I didn't know how to storytell with it. I did. I wasn't aware that I did. Yeah. There was, I was lacking awareness of so many different things. And so I think something I've really learned to embrace over the last two years is that you have to be in this for the long game and mm -hmm. you have to be obsessed with learning because I think that's the only way to like sanely keep carrying on because that's the only way for me personally to stay motivated. Mm -hmm. Um, I've really been, I'll wrap this back around to miss New York very shortly. Um, I've recently been really trying to practice the idea that a job is not any means of success. Mm -hmm. Uh, because I was on the road for two and a half years and there was a part of me that I was employed. So in my head, I had like ticked the box of like, you're currently succeeding. And I feel like while I really enjoyed my time on the road and I learned a lot, and that was a really big like social growing time for me between like dating and learning how to navigate working with 100 people mm -hmm. uh, and how to be a leader and how to take care of yourself physically. Um, those were all probably my biggest takeaways, but I know now that if I go back on the road with a show and I'll, I'll put out when I go back on the road with a show, mm -hmm. I'm probably going to handle it so much more. That time that I'm performing will be my job, mm -hmm. but I've still got eight hours in the day. Oh, and what yeah, on yeah. earth do I want to do with those eight hours? Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, so, you know, uh, I'm so glad the, I, I toured first with Elf right after yes. college, and then I, I went to Japan with uh, Disney. Yes, almost two years ago. Now. And I'm so glad I had the first tour experience because when I toured the second time, I knew to be like, "Oh, hey, I'm in a new city. I'm just gonna walk around and see what the city is like." Because that first time, I just kind of was like, "I'm gonna enjoy my hotel room." And like one of my biggest regrets, oh my gosh, from okay, Elf is like not enjoying life on the road life and like on the road. The road. Because you get, I feel like so many people, a lot of, not so many, but a lot of people get depressed on the road. It's because like you get lost in the like, I guess I'm just going to relax all day in the hotel room because I'm tired. And it's like, no, go, if you go outside and walk for 45 minutes, you'll feel better. I know you're tired, oh, yeah. but like you'll feel so much better. So I'm glad I had that first experience so that I could enjoy my second experience a little bit more. Completely. And well, and, and it's hard to adjust and, you know, we were doing a stunt show, eight shows a week, so physically oh, taking care of yourself and was that was that your first job after college yes so i left school like Minnesota, two weeks early jumping from car to car well i did so i did i did the miss america thing and funny you're talking about like so at that time i don't, I don't know if anyone listening to this follows the miss america organization but in the last couple of years there's been a lot of controversy and leadership issues Mm -hmm. I was really lucky. I did it one year mm -hmm. and I somehow, I don't know what was in the water, but the year I did it, I think 
two of the women went on to become Miss America. Mm-hmm. Five of them in my group went to Miss America representing different states. More importantly, they're all like really phenomenal women. I'm still really good friends with most of them. Oh, cool. They're working for incredible companies, doing amazing things. They've started their own companies. They're CEOs. I mean, I don't know how I lucked out, but in this 2013 Miss New York group, I was among an elite group of women. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, what that time will represent was that was the first time I made a decision to do something myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember calling my mom and dad and I was so nervous to tell them, but I didn't really, I'm, I always go to my parents and kind of ask and I mm-hmm. think I always seek out their affirmation in my choices. And I remember telling them. I told them that I was going to be competing in my first regional. I didn't ask if they thought I should. And I took it on all financially myself. I mean, wow. it's not cheap. I mean, like it's alone. <laughs> right? I know. And so renting the dresses and my dear mother is a saint mm-hmm. and she helped with my shoes and ordering things and rhinestoning things because things that <laughs> happen. And it I really dedicated a lot of time to getting to know myself. I feel like it was the first time that I didn't have to be like Madison the dancer. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh man, who am I? What am I passionate about? And one thing I'll always remember, there's this quote that always sticks out to me and it's, I don't know who said it, but it's the idea that if you're not upsetting people, you don't believe strongly enough in what it is you care about. And as this like 18, 19 year old peacemaker that was like, I don't want to upset anyone. I want to make everyone happy. I want all my teachers to see that I work really, really hard and I want to be perfect. I'll just put it out there. Like I just need to be like, everything needs to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And so Miss Miracle was the first time where I was like, oh, I have to take a platform on something and I have to have a stance on something. What on earth am I passionate about? And it was great and I learned a lot and I enjoyed it. I had been looking – I was really fortunate. I received an academic scholarship which like took care of rent and whatnot and that was really lovely. Wow. Um, and I met an incredible group of women and when it came time to – maybe think about competing the next year. I had auditioned for Marvel like two months after I competed for Miss New York. And in December, Marvel got a hold of me December of my senior year and offered me a contract. And that was that. I I was beginning my professional career and I was okay. Some women grow up knowing that like Miss America is what they want to do. Because well, for a lot of people, it's like a familial thing. Like yeah, the, oh, the very much so. I, I, one of the girls I went to Japan with, uh, her, I, I, oh, I hope I got that right. Her family is like involved in running one of the state competitions every year, and so like it's like you you grow up in the pageant world. It's actually it's it's so fascinating to me that you didn't grow up in that at all, and then you decided to go into that. Mm-hmm. Um. Just, you know, sort of not on a whim, but like... You know what? I had had um, a lot of women that I looked up to do it. Mm -hmm. And it was only like really New York women. Every every state is different. And I figured I was like, New York, I could be on board with that. And honestly, I knew if I ever went back and did it again, I would do it so much differently. I really tried to stick to the 
Like I look at my evening gown dress I chose Mm -hmm. and I was like, man, I chose a dress that I thought I should wear. Mm -hmm. Like if I go back, I would be in like a black, like tight something. I don't know what it would look like, but like I would, it would be beautiful and elegant, Mm -hmm. but it would be more me. But the thing is, is that was the first step I took in figuring out who the heck I was. And so I'm so grateful that did happen. Yeah, and I mean, you know, there's a lot said about Miss America and about pageants in general. Oh, yeah. But there definitely is an element of, like, obviously the financial scholarships that they offer are incredible. It's Life-changing wild. for a lot of people. Yes. But And there also is that element of, like, being forced to decide what your platform is and being forced to, like, kind of decide how you're going to portray yourself to the world. Oh, yeah. Is a valuable asset in a way, I think. I think that there's, uh, you know, there's a greater conversation to be, being had. Um by people far more uh, qualified for it than I am um, about, you know, the validity of certain aspects of the competition. But I think there's definitely a, there, there is a very valuable part of the competition in relation to like how it helps people grow up and oh, yeah. know, come into their own. I've always sort of been really, really big on, I don't know, you could go on the internet and you could find a thousand and one articles on why something is awful. But yep, I truly believe that if you have the proper mentors and you're in the right state of mind, Mm -hmm. you can kind of make anything a really great experience. So I know we could talk to hundreds of people that are in favor of pageants Mm -hmm. because of what it's done for them. And we could talk to the same amount that have the worst stories about it. And I just know that my story is that I knew exactly why it was I was competing and my takeaways from it really had nothing to do with anything exterior. Mm -hmm. I took away a lot of really valuable friendships and lessons and I'm okay that it was such a short chapter. I kept renewing my contract with Marvel and then all of a sudden... I was aged out of Miss America and which is insane because you're 20. I'm 26. Yeah. I I wasn't going to say. No, it's okay. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like, it's 24 is the cutoff. It's so young for Miss America, which also blows my mind when I see some of these women, I'm like, y'all are very pulled together for 24. Mm -hmm. I'm it's, and I felt like I was too, but quite frankly, I'm in at the aspect of like growth as a human. I'm very proud of the growth I've made from 24 to 26. So Miss Miss America. So in the terms of like my vision, being able to speak to thousands, Miss America aligned with that. That was a way that I could be, I would have this platform that allowed me to speak to thousands of people. And and I have to imagine that Marvel Universe was then like I was going to say, and then Marvel fulfilled you guys that stadiums. Right? We played; you guys... it was an arena tour. Yeah, yeah. What was the audition um, process like for that? Okay, so when I auditioned for Marvel, it had never been made before. So my audition experience. I guess this is if anyone's listening that would ever have an interest if in auditioning for the no 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 if anyone that has an interest uh, in auditioning for the show is listening mm-hmm. if anyone's out there that can hear me right now um, no bring water <laughs> we're so hungry um, so when I first auditioned it was kind of like all right 
let's see what we're making here. And it was awesome. It was at Chelsea Piers. Oh, gorgeous. It's beautiful. And they... It was October 3rd, 2013. <laughs> they had... Oh, we were still in college. This oh. Was before you graduated. It was senior year of college. Absolutely. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe I did and I forgot. It's We're old now. It was... Um, and my roommate, Ashton Rothschild, mm-hmm. she was sent by her agency to this audition. And we were roommates at the time. And she's like, yo, Mad, this has your name all over it. And I had started stage combat that semester. Okay. So like every week in our apartment, With I would Michael like... G. Chen. Yes. Yeah. Every week I would like show my new moves to my roommates. I'd be like, guys, look what I can do. And I'd like take them to the floor. And like, we, I was, I was obsessed with stage combat. I could not get over it. I thought it was just the greatest class that had ever existed. And, um, oh, going back. So I'll take it back to, so going back to auditioning, um, they just called for anyone with physical backgrounds. So dancers, aerialists, stuntmen, martial artists, gymnasts, like if you have extreme physical movement in your background, come audition because they had never made this thing before. And Feld Entertainment had at the time, they still had the circus and they had Disney on ice. They had never made, um, like arena Mm -hmm. before they had done stage Disney live and they had done ice, um, ice, which is, you know, obviously arenas, but they had never made a ground show before. So at my audition, I, in hindsight, there were camera crews. Juliet Feld of Feld Entertainment was like sitting at the table watching us. And there was just a whole table of casting directors. And it's so fun to think back on because a lot of them I'm friends with now and have such nice relationships with. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I remember I showed up with like uh, kind of like a athletic skirt mm-hmm. and a pair of leggings and I didn't know what on earth we were getting into for this audition. I just knew it was superheroes. It's and like, I what looked, do I wear? Oh, yeah, I wear? what do I wear? And I looked at, um, her name's Jessica. And I was like, hi, do you have a suggestion? She was casting director and like taking her heights. And she's like, you're going to want your leggings for this one. And I was like, taken, noted, what got was, it. So was, so was it like stage combat, dance? So, like, what were you doing in Okay, the so my first thing I did is they had us all come in one at a time and like do a pass. And mm-hmm. it was just like what on earth does your physical prowess look like? And I did this like front handspring down to a pike that I only reserve for very special occasions. And one of these days it's really going to backfire because I don't think we can any longer at this age reserve move for special occasions. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> like I don't think that's a thing anymore. I, I think- just love that you're like special occasions. So I'm only going to do it at my wedding. Like, precisely. When I walk down the aisle, I'm going to do a front handspring into a pike. Precisely. And just wedding. hope that we're still there with it. So I did that. <laughs> So pick the right dress. Uh, yeah, right. I so I did that, and they're like, "Great, come back for the fighting sequence." So then, <laughs> I was like, "Awesome, great, I can walk." They You've got been me. In stage I'm in combat for three weeks at this point. Um, yeah, like a yeah, month. Yeah. A month. <laughs> However, I will say that my training for Miss America, mm-hmm. because you had to do swimsuit, and I was like, "All right, I'm not going to go crazy to do this. Like, I have to take care of myself mentally." to reach this top physical shape I need to be in, I'm going to box. So I trained at um, a UFC gym, and that was how I got in shape for For Miss America, for Miss New York. That's incredible. It was amazing. And I mean, like, I love – and I don't like fighting – other people sparring like i'm not a fan of that but just like having a bag Mm -hmm. and gloves 
is easily one of my favorite forms of exercise. So I was very familiar with punching and at, you know, at this gym, they like make sure you're punching properly. I by no means would say that that gave me quote unquote technique, Mm -hmm. but I was, I guess I wasn't afraid. I think that's the biggest thing. Comfortable with those motions. I was comfortable with those motions, and I don't. My biggest thing is, is like when you're ready to teach someone, that means that you feel like you have mastered Mm -hmm. the skill set. I would not say that I was ready to teach anyone at that point, Mm -hmm. but I was really comfortable with being physical and like getting down and dirty. Like it wasn't. It it didn't scare me, and so this audition. They had us fight and they paired me with this like six, five guy and it was all stage combat. And I knew enough of the principles of stage combat in the sense of like, you do not hurt your partner. This is not real. That that is the first rule. Yeah. like Daniel Day-Lewis doesn't pay attention to it, but everyone else tries to. Precisely. And so I just remember I had so much fun and this, uh, I mean, our, our stunt coordinator, of the the person leading the fights at that time who would go on to become one of our coordinators for the show was really big on like women you're not being sexy right now you are strong you're taking down these men and we got to they were like we want big we think superheroes and so i just remember like i took this guy at one point and i threw him to the ground and he went to get back up and i put my foot on his chest and i was like stay down and like we got to ad lib in the middle of it and they're filming the whole thing and i was just like what on earth am i in right now like what is my life right now are you ever in those auditions just like being filmed doing the weirdest things and wondering like at what point in my life is this going to come out oh 100 like, all of someone has all of those tapes in a casting office somewhere and I'm just like, one day I'm going to be on Conan and they're going to be like, David, we have this video of you from this Grease audition in 2014 where you mooned the table. Amazing. Um, why? And I'll be like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It felt right at the time. It felt, it, uh, the song is called Mooning. And so I pulled my pants down in an audition. Um, it was the right choice. <laughs> you know, and like there, there is a tape of that somewhere. I have to ask, what was the reaction? I mean, they laughed. Okay, good. Okay, okay. Good job, though. So, like, who knows? That's incredible. I really admire that bravery. This is why I have a podcast now. Um, No, uh, there's no video here. (laughs) So, you got the show. Yes. Was it a quick process or was it like a drawn out audition? So, at that time, I had not been auditioning enough to like understand how this whole world worked. Mm -hmm. Uh, I auditioned October 3rd. I, they reached out to me in November asking for measurements Mm -hmm. and then I went home for Christmas break from college and like two days before Christmas, I got the phone call offering me the job. And I I, I do love the asking for measurements thing because it's like, I'm, I'm not a costume person. Like I hope the, every single time I've sent that email, it's like, I really hope these are right. Oh my gosh. But I have no idea how to do this. Well, and also like that's the th- yes so i've i think at this point i've just whenever people take my measurements now for things i just ask if they'll give me those numbers mm-hmm. so that i can like have them on file i have this one drafted email in my inbox that i always go back to if someone's like measurements i'll go type measurements into search and be like come on 2018 18 18 there it is and they're like i'll find it and copy and paste it um I'm just looking at it, like how much weight have i gained or lost since the last measurement you're yep. Yeah, you're just like ah, throw it out there. <laughs> yes, 
Um, so you went home. So I went home and I got the, I was told go like you have the job. And I said to them, I said, I just have to finish college. And at that point they didn't have a concrete timeline of when everything was starting because they're building this show and they've never made it before. Mm -hmm. And so they had asked me to come out April 28th for my first day of work. And I spoke with all my teachers at pace and they were going to let me finish my perform my like honors thesis early and finish all my exams and I really like school and I take school. Yeah. I, I took school really seriously. So yeah, yeah, as far as like, acad- <laughs> as far as like academically, I, it was completely fine mm-hmm. for me to do that. And I wasn't a huge fan of missing those final two weeks. But <laughs> what I will say is that will, that was hands down one of the sweetest times of my life mm-hmm. getting to. I left school. I went and started this new job that I had no idea what I was getting into. Everyone was immediately so kind to me. 40, 40 men, 10 females. Everyone, they, some of them had already been in rehearsals for two weeks. Wow. And I just had told, they had asked me to come down sooner. I said, I'm so sorry. Like, I can't leave school a month early. I can only leave two weeks. I can still do the 28th. I mean, you could have left a month early. It's I pace. I didn't want to. And I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm denigrating our alma mater uh pace university is an incredible track record of helping you get into the job uh that yes yeah, like i yes I, I missed five weeks my final semester 100 i it would have show, been so. okay i just i personally felt like i had put so much love and mm-hmm. care into those four years that i kind of wanted to finish it as much Strong as i as could in my eyes i love that attitude i'm not gonna yeah lie. yeah i wish i had more of it it's okay. It's um, okay. So, where did you guys rehearse? Do you rehearse? So we, um, Felt's headquarters are down in Ellington, Ellington, Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were at their headquarters from April, and then in July we moved to Tampa, Florida, to our first arena. About four months of rehearsals. April three, three, three. No, 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 no. Um, two. So all of May, all of June. Then beginning of July, we popped up to Tampa, Florida. At what point were they like, hey, you need to jump off of a moving car onto another moving car? Was it was it sprung on you or was that like in the contract? My first day. <laughs> My first day. Because uh, you were – that was – you were the Black Widow. Um, I played Maria Hill. I played Maria, Maria Hill. Hill. At one point, I, I switched to a show swing my second year, and mm-hmm. so I was ready to cover the Black Widow track. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I was Maria Hill, so my roommate also booked the job. Mm-hmm. Ashton was Captain Marvel. And she went down a couple days before me, and so she was calling me, giving me the, like, scoop. She's like, oh, my gosh, yeah, there's – so." Now, it's so funny to say my friend Taylor now, who's a dear friend of mine, I went to her wedding. She at that time was doing the Maria Hill track and her background was in stunt work and she's an NCAA gymnast. So she was like doing the car jump like it was a breeze. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's Marvel. They're really strict on height and all of this and that. So I physically fit the height and the weight profile for Maria Hill. So like mm-hmm. I was going in for Maria Hill. And they were going to train me to jump from a car to a car. I was so padded up during those rehearsals. And I have a feeling so many of those boys were probably like, why is she here? 
but I, I, I don't know. I kept. They're I, like this. Is so this is the greatest job I've ever in, had. This, probably that too. In we're high, all lucky yeah. To be here. I just kept such a positive attitude, mm-hmm. and I just never made excuses. I never was like, "Well, I'm a dancer," and every and. I remember there was this one rehearsal where, so we would be driving in the cars and they would be driving next to each other and there would come a time where I had to jump. Mm-hmm. And like three times in a row, I just was too scared and mm-hmm. I couldn't. And at this point, so there's also, there's 30 people watching you. You're brand new to the rehearsals. You're getting judged. Like, I don't care how much anyone says you're not. You're 100% being assessed and judged and does she fit in and should she be part of this Hunger Games experience? And... I to be clear, no one died. No, or was murdered not in not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. And I just there were professional stuntmen that were like rolling their eyes, and I felt it. And I just was like, Madison, focus. You can do this. You can do this. And I did it. And then I did it again. And I did it again. And I came back the next day, and I just I got into such supreme shape and fitness for what I had to be for that job. And then I got to fly back to New York for a day and a half to walk at graduation Mm -hmm. and flying back to Ellington after my graduation and, and having a job like that I loved, Mm -hmm. that was like the coolest experience of my life. That will hands down always be one of my favorite weeks of my life was like, I had this new family. I said bye to them. I went to see my other family mm-hmm. completed a chapter with them and then like got to go back and have a job I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really, really special. So then you guys, you guys hit the road. We hit the road. What was that experience like? I, I imagine the fans must've been just amazing. It was really, really exciting. And I had the chance to do a lot of PR. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love interviewing and I love PR and I had the chance to then be, it's There's called pageant. No, you know what? You like... No, that I, we, I started interviews when I was like 10. Oh really? Yeah. And my dad is also, um, I didn't ever realize it's one of those like connecting the dots you make when you're older. My dad's a headhunter, So mm-hmm. he helps companies place people in jobs. And so my dad for a living interviews people and I think my mom and dad were always just really big on Blair and I, my sister. We had to always order for ourselves, like no matter how long it took. Public like, speaking is the, it's like the most important skill. I think it's yeah. why even, you know, so many actors, people who have degrees in what we do, um, no matter what that degree is, you can go into so many fields. Mm-hmm. I, I think an acting degree is the most valuable, like pre-law degree you can get. Completely. Because the ability to like just stand up in front of people and just be able to talk is, it, it's not easy. It's so not easy. Um, which why I said, I just meant like you, you had an, I had uh, definitely had a lot of practice. Versus some, I'm assuming some of the people on the tour that you were on maybe weren't the most like public speaking engaged. Well, and that was what was really exciting for me is they also gave me an opportunity to teach. So, uh, in their shows, they have what's called a media mentor and your job they they let me take it a little bit more seriously than I think the job implied. I think really like the job is help organize people and get them like, here's your t-shirt for your interview next week. But I was, I wanted to train people. I wanted to get people interview ready. And I was dealing with 50 athletes. You know, our X Games people... 
they were like pros at interviews. This is what they had done. They had to, you know, part of our business is being able to sell ourselves and they knew how. And then I was dealing with people that were so unbelievably talented, but never had had to speak about it before. And so a big thing for me that I love doing is helping people find their strengths and find what is so awesome about them Mm -hmm. and then have the courage to talk about it. And I mean, some of like the growth that my friends made Mm -hmm. just as human beings from being able to do PR interviews to then the courage and the, yeah, to talk about themselves was really exciting. And so I got to do a lot of that and that was a really cool way to meet the fans. Mm -hmm. And that was an amazing way to get to work with children a lot. And Oh, the kids must have just been. Oh, oh, unreal. Our bows, we would take place on the edge of like the arena floor looking out to the audience and to just see kids staring or cheering or screaming or tapping their parent or crying hysterically. hysterically. (laughs) That was super, super special. And something I always did, um, I think people talk about this, but... I think something we always really focus on is getting the job, but we don't talk about how to keep the job and how to maintain your sanity on the job. And that's hard. I mean, I don't know how you teach when you're working with aspiring professionals. It's really hard to be like, oh, by the way, let's talk about the etiquette and the way to keep your sanity once you've got the job. I mean, you're, you're so focused on being like, I just need to get the job first and oh, then yeah. we'll talk about. And so... I was, I very quickly realized that it is quite a feat to maintain, like, how do you approach the same show eight shows a week and make it like it's the first time you've ever done it? And also a show with as much like danger and safety considerations, oh, like one hundred percent. And warm up must have been incredible. Well, and and everyone had a different warm up, and everyone that was one of the nice things is we all come from different backgrounds. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take 45 minutes to stretch, whereas my friends who are going to the CrossFit Games are putting 145 pounds over their head, and that's their warm up. Mm-hmm. And so, which is nice because I hate a group warm up. It was, was nothing I hate more than No, life. it was so nice for them to just be like, okay, we hired you guys because of your skill sets that you have. We're going to let you hone those and do it how you need to. That was really nice. And um, so, and also, it was one of those shows where you just couldn't be, you could be tired, but you couldn't be unfocused. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of my biggest takeaways from that show was the whole concept of our backstage was just as choreographed as what was happening on the floor. Totally. There's 50 crew and you just had to be in your track. And I learned a lot about staying in your lane in regards to your job. I mean, after doing something for two and a half years, like you kind of know the ins and outs really well. Mm-hmm. And I've, I don't know. I'm just like very interested in that. So I'm going to be watching and I'm watching certain set changes happen and I'm watching things and we have plan B, C, D, E, and F for when things break or this happens or that costume change doesn't happen. And I knew them like mm-hmm. the back of my hand. And so there were times when I would find myself eager to go help with something and then just remind myself like, 
Madison, you're actually not helping. Mm-hmm. What's going to be most helpful is if you just stay in your place and you're ready to go and you go on stage and do your job to the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. And then also like there were moments where I could foresee an issue about to unfold and I would go tell the proper person. Yeah. And I had, I had, I was able to have a rapport with my bosses in which that was allowed. It wasn't overstepping my boundaries. It was trusted to be well, like, especially after two and a half years. Like oh yeah. You guys have done the show that many mm-hmm. times. What, yeah. what, what, so what was the show itself? You guys, it was, so, like a, was there a plot? Or was yes. Plot yeah. yeah okay. Like so the way I would describe it is, uh, it's like a comic book mm-hmm. in real life. So it had a whole storyline and it was a storyline that was super authentic to Marvel Universe Live. There was no comic it was taken from. They actually made a comic for the show, which was oh, really cool. cool. Yeah, it was awesome. And at that time, that show was most of the Avengers and Loki had the cosmic cube and Thor had smashed the cosmic cube into a bunch of pieces and then those pieces had been placed all around the world Mm -hmm. and so the avengers had to split up to go get those pieces of the cosmic cube Mm because loki was trying to get them and slightly confusing but you can follow it oh no it was very narrated yeah if i was like 12 man when this was happening oh. oh for sure i and it and uh so that was super fun and it all huge action sequences, a lot of fights, acting scenes. The show's changed though, right? They added some Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, so they actually, so they they made an entire new show. Oh, so cool. I ran with my show from the opening all the way to the closing shows in Europe, which was at the beginning of 2017, and then two months later they went into building Marvel Universe Live live age of heroes and that's a whole new show and that involves the guardian of the galaxy and black panther and a whole slew of new characters um recently made popular by the movies yes 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 so disney is good at synergy they rock at it yes for sure so that's a whole new show and i've Mm -hmm. seen it a couple times and what's actually been really lovely is I've gone out and done a couple jobs with them. So they were in New York and I did some PR for them and they've been so kind as to bring me back in for things here and there. Keep me part of the family. Keep me part of the family. And so I have become friends with all these new cast members, which it's like, I feel like it's like a very sorority type thing where I see them and I'm like, we were never on the show together, but I know you know what this is. And like, we have that bond. So now we're friends. Like there aren't a lot of shows in that. Like there was a Batman live for a while that I did off. Um, And then, but there aren't a lot of those arena on on the level of like combat. No, I want to say that it claimed to be the largest touring stunt show in the world and that stat could totally have changed i could have just made that up i'm so sorry if that's true but like that was one of the big things and also you'll you'll get very every single contract that i was on it my first year contract my second year contract and my europe contract Mm -hmm. was a very different experience and i think it you have to know if you're the kind of person that likes building things mm-hmm. or if you're kind if you're the kind of person that likes sliding into a product that's already been created mm-hmm. because they are very different experiences and i personally love building mm-hmm. i love i don't 
if I really believe in my leadership and I believe in the product, I'm always super jazzed to be part of a build. Mm -hmm. It's very risky and it's very nerve wracking. And I'm not sure people love that. And also it takes time for the product to become and reach its full potential. And so you have to like stick with it and you have to keep believing in it. And so it's, it took a moment. Mm -hmm. It took a moment for it to become a well-oiled machine. Was it easier because it was Marvel and it was essentially the most popular brand on the planet at the time you guys were starting? Well... Because at that point, uh, the first Avengers had just come out and made... Yes. ...a billion dollars. Like, so I, I imagine there must have been a sense of, like, people are going to show up. It wasn't like you're building something and worried that, like, there wouldn't be a fan base for no. it. No. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's also, too, is I've... When I think about like pace and then I think about doing Marvel, there are things that just made sense to me. Mm -hmm. I just, I remember explaining to people what I was going to do and I was like, well, it's Marvel Mm -hmm. and it's stage combat. And they're like, well, I don't understand. And I was like, and I, and in my head, it just, it made so much, it made so much sense to me. I was like, yes, a fighting show about superheroes. I don't know how it hasn't already been made, but that makes sense. And, you know, like a dance program that does its best to help people who have this really trained competition background transition that skill set into a professional career. How is that not a, that makes so much sense to me. And so it just, I guess I'm going to trust my gut and Mm -hmm. keep going in with those types of experiences of oh my gosh, how has that not already been made? I think that that's why it felt easier for me to jump on board is because I just, I I was like, how has this not already been a thing? Absolutely, I'll help create it. Um, what was your like, what was the weirdest moment you guys had on tour? Did you guys have any like, were there any like big mess ups that stick out? Man. Because it feels like things must have gone wrong all the time. So, there were just a lot of technical elements. And I guess the way I think about it is like when you've got a show that has hundreds of cues, I mean, bless our stage manager, hundreds between pyrotechnics and don't set off this pyrotechnic for safety purposes if this stunt doesn't happen. But check out that stunt because if this person's costume isn't in the right place, like, I mean, the domino effect of this show is unbelievable. It's, it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I, I think it had, while it may have felt like, oh my gosh, plan B is happening all the time in the grand scheme of how much was occurring. Most of it went really right. Mm -hmm. Like most of it went right. And I feel like we did a really excellent job of the audience never knew. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times, so like with cars, we sometimes had issues with them. So we would have one car in a show. And so we knew what the plan of attack was if the flip car wasn't in the show. And we knew what the plan of attack was if the car didn't flip over, Mm -hmm. you get out of the car and you fight anyways. Like you just, it just doesn't flip. And so kind of that thinking on the spot, that was fun. I'm trying to think of like. A really wild experience. 
it's 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 honestly it's kind of awesome to me that you guys did two and a half years and you don't have one like that uh, that you don't have one like immediately because <laughs> I feel like every show I've ever done I have that story for that I just know is the story from that show. Uh, you know what I just and it's no it's 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 like refreshing it's... that a stunt show like that it's almost. That's the kind of show that shouldn't have those stories. You, know you don't I mean? want it to. And, yeah. and Spider-Man and, is the kind of show that shouldn't have had those stories. And then those com- stories kind of took over the narrative of that show, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking, uh, man, I laughed a lot. And we were, we were really in masks frequently. And so you would get off stage and mm-hmm. I just cried tears of laughter very frequently over things that happened. And one of my favorite scenes, I was a Hydra foot soldier in the motorcycle scene. And I did that track. I mean, we hit 700 shows. I think I did it a solid 600. Wow. Like I think I did my track. And then when I was swinging and then in my European tour, I knew all six, six foot soldier tracks. Yeah. And I could pop in to whatever one you needed. And it was so fun being on stage with those motorcyclists because to them, I don't know what like a proper parallel is. They are at their optimal performance state when they are out in the wilderness and like on tracks. So it's almost like when you cage them in in an arena floor, like they'll go as wild as they can. But that's like they're having a breeze. Like that's a breeze to them. And it's, it's hard in the sense of like having to control and hit your marks and this, that, and the other, but they are so good. Like Mm -hmm. next level professional, like they're all going to go on and be stunt doubles and it's going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait. Uh, and so to be on stage with them as they are just living their best lives and you trust them. I mean, they would take it and they would do a stoppy which is a reverse wheelie. So they'd go onto their front wheel mm-hmm. and they would get two inches from your feet and you just trusted them with your life. And it was hysterical. Oh, yeah. And so to just kind of be able to have that rapport with them on stage, but then in a moment's notice, if something went wrong, everyone's attention immediately went to like a very heightened level mm-hmm. and y'all knew what the plan B was and you knew how to fix it. And in one moment flat, you were just the utmost professionals and knew what you needed to do oh, absolutely, yeah. to have everyone be safe on stage. That was really cool. Was there a noticeable difference between the American audiences and the European audiences in relation to the show? Yes. Yeah. Because the cultural touchstones of Marvel are have to be different. Oh, yeah. Like, I imagine Captain America isn't the, like, hit of the show the way he is here. 100%. Okay, yeah. so... Um, we went to Canada the second year and we went to Montreal. <laughs> homeland. Yes, your homeland. We went to Montreal and we had to learn the show in French. And so Wait, you guys had to do the show in French? Yeah. We had I when we were overseas, I did the show in Norwegian, Swedish, Spanish, French. Wait, how but how Croatian. Croatian. They just teach you phonetically? They, yes. How many, who had the most lines? Like, that's Okay, so this was the worst. So, okay, this was the funniest thing. Loki and Thor had huge opening (laughs) monologues. And they had hired voice actors to redo the entire show. So we were, but especially in Europe, the arenas are smaller and Mm -hmm. it's so intimate. I mean, you are two feet from the front row. Mm Mm-hmm. 
you you have to be ooh, excuse me hi everyone you have to be saying the right words you cannot watermelon but there was someone there, there was someone like recorded. yeah so it's a track so okay, it's a track so, and you're speaking oh, to a track me. Um, you're speaking to a track I, I just pictured them being like wow the, this this Thor's accent is awful oh. he's like Jurgen Flurgen Jurgen Nurgen 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 they threw Velik there to con the Rubra Verden like oh my god the whole nine yards I still my Norwegian is still I very in there watch. Thor and Loki yell at each other in Croatian. Like that, that would be the best part of the whole show to me. Unbelievable. Oh, 100%. 100%. So we do these shows in Quebec. Mm-hmm. These French audiences loved it. Mm-hmm. I was at a soccer match. Mm-hmm. I, there was nothing greater to them. And then, like, when Loki gets defeated, sorry, spoiler alert, and is like Shocking. taken back up into. Um, why can't I think of what the word is right now? Thor. Asgard. Yes, the thank Rainbow you. Bridge, the thank Bifrost. you. Yes, the bi. Oh my gosh, the Bifrost. I thought I would never forget that I'm, word. I'm really good for those words. Thank you. I can pull those. Words I out of my deeply head. appreciate that. So when he is taken back up in the Bifrost, that crowd, that was the greatest thing that had ever happened to them uh-huh. was seeing Loki defeated, yeah. and like we're all just standing there, and we're all we were all just blown away. We couldn't believe it. We're just like. This is incredible. Mm. And so then we got overseas. Um, I think I would have to say the second sweetest time in my life was performing at the O2 Arena in London. Oh, cool, cool. Uh, we did 17. Huge, right? It's ginormous. Yeah. And we did 17 shows there over two weeks. Every single audience was so in it mm. and so passionate. And in America... People will cheer at the end of a scene. It felt like a sports game. Like it felt like I would say for us football, for them soccer, just like it was a sports match. And they were for them. It's also football. Correct. <laughs> Shoot, you're so right. So and they were just for so us, passionate. It's yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And then so England was incredible. Mm-hmm. Spain was a really awesome one. I mean, oh, the I Spaniards imagine. were like. This was the greatest thing ever. They were very passionate. There were some countries where it was kind of quiet, mm-hmm. but they were still very engaged. You didn't feel disrespected. It was just quiet. It's, it's interesting, like, culturally around the world, how different cultures applaud for shows. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went to Japan, I noticed, like, they wouldn't really clap. I'm sure. Much. But then at the end of the show, they, like, lost their mind. Like, the, greatest they thing ever. loved it. And they were crying, but, like, they were so quiet quiet the Mm -hmm. whole show until it was like the end of act one the end of act two and then it was like this everything that they'd been holding in eruption yes um which is you know and in america we have like this tradition of clapping at the ends of moments yes um scenes um but yeah it's it's fascinating europe they've got that like throughout the whole thing they'll heckle you they'll they'll give you oh yeah Yeah. it was really fun it felt you were very engaged with the audience and that was one of those really beautiful moments where emotions are just universal and it doesn't matter what language is happening you can feel what they're feeling you understand it uh it was really amazing yeah and you know they get who the bad guy is and oh completely 100 percent um so you finished up in europe Mm -hmm. and you came back to new york Mm -hmm. what has the last two years been like it has been awesome and scary Mm -hmm. and a lot of growth Mm -hmm. and a lot of Figuring out what on earth it is 
I love to do and want to do and finding my voice uh, and really staying true to that. I feel really lucky in 2017, I found, I got back and I really loved my job with Marvel. I would say that is the most, if anyone's like, have you ever had a really bad breakup? I would say in hindsight, leaving that job really ticked all the boxes of what a breakup is like and, and having to really stay affirmed in my reasonings for moving back to New York. And cause I, I would have loved to have built that second show. Mm-hmm. I, I would have loved it. I loved my job mm-hmm. and I just knew that it was time for me to try something else mm-hmm. and go do the dance thing that mm-hmm. I had always wanted to do and make sure that that's still what I wanted to do. I wasn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. And I found my way into Chet Walker's classroom in April of 2017, and he was teaching uh, a series of Jack Cole's technique, and Jack Cole is deemed the father of jazz dance, and it's a very, very athletic form of dance, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I just was in love. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe the timing of finding such an athletic dance form after, in my eyes, becoming an athlete. Mm-hmm. I came back to New York and I, as much as I, not really huge on labels, mm-hmm. but in my head, if I was a dancer, I had transitioned from dancer to athlete that dances. Mm-hmm. And I just, the way I took care of myself and saw dance was a lot different. And so to have this form that was so to the ground and required a ton of leg strength and back strength, I just felt, I felt like I found my sweet spot. And so I trained with him a lot, Mm -hmm. uh, two weeks a month, April, May, June. I was really fortunate in that I was accepted to study at Jacob's Pillow that summer for three weeks under his leadership. And that changed my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, my biggest thing was I had had jobs and I was really good at doing tasks, but I didn't feel like I was creating anything. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like I was an artist in the sense of just dancing because it was this lovely thing I had the ability to do. And so that was a really pivotal time as an artist for me. Were you you trying to keep up the like physical fitness level that you acquired on tour or was there that moment where you got back and you're like i've had to stay in shape for two and a half years i'm gonna like let myself go for a month no i think i've like, no, no i'm no. thinking about it no Neither. i i think that i maybe let myself go in I did go home for a month mm-hmm. and that was really, really amazing. And if I could go back, I'd probably give myself like three months. Yeah. Like <laughs> I've just, I think so much is in the last two years, I've gained so much insight about that experience. And I feel I'm so jazzed for when the next long-term job happens. Cause I'm going to tackle it like a champ and I'm going to tackle it so much differently than I did the first one. Mm -hmm. No regrets about the first one. That was everything it needed to be and more, but I'm going to handle it so differently. And I've kind of 
For me, my physical has never been something that I've had the desire to let go mm-hmm. because it's almost progress to me is like addicting in a really mm-hmm. like a healthy way. Like I, I'm, I use the term addicting very um, wisely because that's like a whole different conversation yeah. that I would be more than happy to dive into <laughs> in regards to like body image and all that jazz. But like I love a challenge mm-hmm. and I love growth. And for me, that's what dance class is. And so I never stop seeking that out. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Um, but I will, but I've always been really okay with being taking time with my family, mm-hmm. but that always involved going to my home dance studio and taking mm-hmm. ballet class mm-hmm. and teaching. And I can't really think of a time because qu- it's just not fun to me to have to come back. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, easy I, to stay in it's so more. easy to just stay in it and take it easy and like do a ballet class a week, then be like, I'm taking four months of uh, four weeks of nothing. Yeah. And also I just like hurt. I just like have to, it just, it just, my body hurts if I'm not doing yeah. physical movements. So yeah, I can't say I've ever taken like a physical break. I wish I had more of that in me. Cause like I, I mean, I, I, I got injured and I put on a lot of weight mm-hmm. and then last year I lost almost all of it. Yes, um, you did. And then like November, I think just got so busy at my restaurant that I stopped going to the gym. Yeah. Cause I didn't have time. I, my body was like, I can't afford to be sore right now. I'm working 15 hour days mm-hmm. at my restaurant with a mm-hmm. 30 minute break. And, uh, so I took like a month and a half off and now I'm, <clears throat> I, you know, I'm back at the gym and the sore now is it's so much worse because I took the time off and I'm like, if I had just found like two or three days a week to go during that time, it would have been so much better. Um, but no, it's, it's awesome that you like, even like in the face of like having accomplished this, you're like, you know what? I, I've got to go for that next thing. I feel like artists were always, especially actors and dancers, like those of us who can't just like make art in our apartment and then sell it at a gallery. Yes. It's like, oh, if I take three months off, I'm done. Like my career's over. Like I have to, I can take, I, when I go home for Christmas, I'm like, I can take a week and then I, but I have to be back for January 5th when auditions yes. start up again. Well, I think something that I've really put a lot of focus into as well as uh, trying my best not to get trapped in the... If I'm going to get trapped in excitement, I have to make sure it's something I'm excited about, not mm-hmm. that the general population is excited about. So if everybody's timeline is January because it's audition season, I have to make sure, like, Madison, is your timeline January too? Mm-hmm. Like, what are the dates that are important to you? I had a really big audition on January 17th. In my calendar for two months, January 17th was the day. Mm-hmm. All of my decisions revolved around being prepared for that day. So voice lessons, voice coachings, dance classes, mental training, books I was reading, everything revolved around that. I was hearing talks of this audition and that audition and this and that and the other. Mm -hmm. And I just let them sway and fall right off of me because that was not where my focus was. And I was really, really set in my path of what it was and... I kind of think that clarity is something I really have strived to apply to everything I do because it is, if you need to take three months away to become a sane human, then you have to do that. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I think the biggest thing that I'm really passionate about is if you're not in line as a human being, 
there's just no way you can be in line as a performer, a business, Mm -hmm. anything else. And so, um, I've always kind of advocated for that balance of the two. And also just knowing, like knowing that your timeline of how that balance works might not be like your time that you might need to take a moment, maybe in the thick of audition season. But if you look at all the auditions happening and one of them doesn't speak to your soul, mm-hmm. then it's going to be much more beneficial for you in the long run to go take that time for yourself. Oh, totally. You know, I, I, I had an audition Sunday morning. Um, and it was Saturday night and my friend was having a party and I was like, I should go home and like sleep before this audition. And I pulled up the notice and I looked at it and I went, I don't want to do this. It doesn't pay enough money. It would be, it's too much of a stress on my life. I'm going to go to my friend's party and like, you know, I, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm going to shift my priorities tonight towards myself mm-hmm. and not towards like going to this thing that I don't want to go to, but I feel like I'm supposed to, you know what well, I mean? And that's tough. And that's really, really hard. And that's where I feel like it, this all becomes such a personal experience mm-hmm. and where, gosh, just my circle of confidants feels really small because mm-hmm. I, I'm not seeking out the opinion of the general population. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find what really is best for my long-term goals and best for me. And you have to, you have to trust yourself in knowing like, hmm, how do I explain this? There are very different, I guess, points in careers. There are moments in careers when you, you take, you go to anything. You go to everything and then there are moments when you know, oh, that's not a job I'd like and I'm actually going to listen to my gut on this one. Like I'm, I'm, I know that if this went through, this would not be an opportunity I want. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to listen to my gut on it. And that's why you just can't get wrapped up in where everyone else is because everyone's at such different points in their careers, you know, it's so hard. You and I are both coming at that from a position of like, we've both worked. We both have enough things on our resume. I think that like, you know, you get to that point where like, once you've had a few jobs in this industry and you kind of know what the different when you go to an audition, you can tell what a job's going to be mm-hmm. earlier on. I think it's hard. I, I get why it's harder when you first get here. Oh, and yeah. There's a, like, oh, my roommate is here. Um, uh, there's that element of like, uh, hey, Tyler. <laughs> Just screaming over here. Sorry. Hi there. Um, there's an element of like, um, I have to go to everything because, first of all, the casting directors don't know who you are. So it is kind of beneficial to go things just 100%. so that people start learning your name. And I should be going to more things because I just changed my name and people should know that. But, um, yeah, I, once once you've done some jobs, I changed my mindset when I did the job that I went into knowing I wasn't going to have a good experience. But I took it because I needed the healthcare weeks. Mm. And then I was miserable doing the job. And... I've made some great friends and I'm so, I'm sort of grateful now a year later that I did it because mm-hmm. the friends I made are some of the, you know, the, my nearest and nearest. but I got back from that job and was like, Oh, I need to be way more selective because I knew what that was going to be when I went into it. And it was exactly what I knew it was going to be. And I, you know, we have the benefit of having that sort of, um, wisdom and age and experience on it. That I think at 22, it's tougher to like, be like, you know, I'm not going to enjoy this, but I have, you know, I have to go. Anyway. 100%. And I, I think the way, cause 
I don't know. I'm just, I feel like I could, there's something to learn from like anything. You could do any job and learn anything regardless of what the quality of it is. Totally. Sometimes you learn what you don't want. Mm -hmm. And I've found that when I just try to focus on who it is that I want to work with, Mm -hmm. that sort of helps all of the priorities of other things fall in line. So that helps me justify any financial part of it. If I'm just like, I want to be in a room creating with that person. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course, we're humans and there are bills to pay, Mm -hmm. but that (laughs) makes the decision different for me. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, and, and some of my things are super small though. Like I won't do a contract where I have to sleep on a twin bed. Okay. It's like a, cause I did one and I'm just too big. And so I was dancing every night and then I would go home and sleep on this bed that I couldn't fit on. And I was actually like not recovering overnight. And that so, makes like, sense. I was by, it was a six week contract and by week like three, I was sleeping on the floor of the mm. little apartment that they'd mm-hmm. given me. Because I was like physically like I was, and so like I'd learned, I was like, I need a bed that I can fit on. That makes sense. That's a lesson learned. Especially in a physical show. Yes. Where like your sleep is almost more important than anything. Yes. To like, and so, you know, I think, you know, over time you accue those sort of like, my agent has a list of things that I just have to have for my life to be okay. I can't share a bedroom anymore. I'm, t- I'm too old. I can't like share my bedroom. Okay. That makes sense. You know, it's things like that, that like now I'm at a point where like, you know, when I see those contracts where it's like housing is the university dorm next mm, door, mm-hmm. it's two twin beds next to each other. There's three feet of space. I'm like, okay, that's not something I'm going to do because I know my mental health during that contract will not be good. Okay. That makes sense. Small things like that. Yeah. No. And I think that that's where like the uniqueness of everybody comes in. Mm-hmm. And I guess my, my thought to that just goes to like, I would really want to make if I were to be in that, it would have to be a show that I'm dying to do or oh, like a sure. person I'm dreaming to work with. Like, I'm just kind of like, yes, there definitely are. I'll break any rule for, you know, you know what I mean? Yes. The credit, you know, I think it's, I think that that's where that, like the difference between like having strength and flexibility, like you have to have mm-hmm. both, like you have to have strength I mean, this literally and metaphorically, like it's very important to be strong and flexible. So you have to know what it is that you want and you have to follow that. But then there also has to be that leniency and that mm-hmm. flexibility of like, well, I think I could bend some of my rules because this sounds pretty awesome. Oh, you know, totally. Yeah. Totally, totally, totally. Um, so, ha- so how did Mortal Kombat come about? You, was that th- ah, like, through connections you made through Marvel? So that is wild and i think that that is one of my things that i'm so grateful for about marvel was mm-hmm. that that just really opened my eyes as like a creator and an artist mm-hmm. i never envisioned that getting to do something like that would come to be and so well, that wasn't a thing when we like when i was a kid i played every video game oh yeah and no one was like and there was an actor in a green suit with polka dots all over it dancing the like the, oh, the yeah. moves were all just made in yes. the game so like it's not even something we could have dreamed up when we were kids oh yeah it's just so yes uh one of my dear friends from marvel uh this studio was looking and I submitted my stunt reel mm-hmm. and my stunt resume 
and it was just a match yeah, for yeah. what they needed. And was there an audition process? Uh, I think my first day of work in oh, hindsight wow. was 100% my audition of like, yeah. can she hang? Uh, it was very intimidating. I was working if, okay. If I may say one of my strengths, I feel like one of my strengths is reading a room mm-hmm. and reading someone the way that someone is treating me in the sense of are they actually getting what they want or are they just saying that because that's they're being kind. And I'm really big on people. I just want you to be honest. Like if if I'm not doing the job please don't tell me good job because it's good enough. Like good enough. Isn't good enough for me. Yeah, yeah. Don't tell me the joke's landing. If the joke's not landing, because eventually, thank you. Yeah. 100%. Yes. And so I, maybe to a fault, I feel like my senses were really heightened. And on this particular day, I was shadowing a female who is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, she does like every TV show under the sun, as like a stunt double, oh, cool. she's very trained in martial arts and, and Mortal Kombat is just, it's the pinnacle of a martial arts game. I mean, martial art, it, it's just, it's got a lot of integrity Yeah, oh yeah. in the realm of the craft and my background is not mm-hmm. 15 years of martial arts. And so I was really, really, really demanding of myself to have integrity with this. Mm-hmm. And so I was shadowing a girl. They suited me up. And I think that they like were having me do T poses and they might have been recording me on the off chance. I did something that was like, Oh great. We have that. That's great. Yeah. Um, and she was doing moves for the characters in game, mm-hmm. which is exactly what she should have been doing. You know, when you're Jade, like you should have a professional martial, martial artist, portraying uh jade's moves and so i thought it went well i was like ah they were all really nice to me and i kept up and i'm really really hard on myself i'm uh, not in a i used to be a really bad perfectionist in my Mm -hmm. teens now i'm just like i demand a lot of myself and i was like i did well Mm -hmm. it was a good first day and they asked me to come back. Yeah. And so I started doing um, like the story mode sequences. Mm-hmm. So when they've got the military and, you know, they're coming in and a hundred soldiers, you know, are getting taken down or they're all shooting. So I would do the scenes like with the weapons shooting and then I would do, I would be the soldiers getting taken down to the ground. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, Was it a big cast? It depended. Every day I would sometimes work with one other person and sometimes I'd work with a room of four. Yeah. And it was, it's really cool because there's so many people. It's a very, very, very collaborative process. It's yeah. probably one of the most collaborative processes I've ever been a part of is like, because it's cinematic mode, you have a director. Like mm-hmm. we had someone saying action and, but there's 10 other people who are giving you direction and mm-hmm. they all work so beautifully together. And there's, no hard feelings and it's someone's on a computer being like, Hey Madison, you need to make sure that that bulbs put back in place. And then someone's like, Hey, acting wise, you need to do this. Mm -hmm. And just, you're getting thrown so many different directions at one time and you just soak them all in 
and it's really cool. Were you any particular character? Uh, so it's actually really funny. The way that motion capture works is the person that gets the credit for mm-hmm. playing the character is the voiceover actor. So Ronda Rousey is Sonya Blade, which is so cool. Yeah. And so I got to do – I had passes as Jade and I had – um a pass where I like came in and, you know, I picked Sonia and like Sonia walks into the scene to fight. And I was like walking into the scene and like, you know, putting my hands up to box and to fight. And you have those moments. It's going to be really funny to watch and to play the game because you're just not going to know. You just, you're not going to know and you don't get to claim ownership and, that's where it just feels really collaborative mm-hmm. in the sense of like, I was a baby, small, tiny mm-hmm. puzzle piece yeah. in this grand, ginormous well, game. It's just funny, like, if you think about how many people work on those games, like, it's mm-hmm. like thousands of animators mm-hmm. working together to make, because the graphics nowadays are just unbelievable. unbelievable. I mean, I remember playing Mortal Kombat 1 when I was a kid and 2, and now, like, they're on 11. And the the difference in the games is so insane, and the difference in the process they make them with is so oh crazy. yeah. Um, did you play? Were you ever a video game person? Played a lot of video games on the road with oh, the really? guys oh, on Marvel. Yeah, yeah, they all had their gaming systems. And growing up, we always had like we had Nintendo sixty four. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, I mean, I was at dance all the time, but on my weekends that were free. My dad and I would play video games a lot. So were you familiar with Mortal Kombat? I was. Yes. Um, I didn't know what I was signing on to until I got there. It was very, very... They're just very... It's secretive. Like, we, no one knew that a new game was being created. Mm -hmm. Um, How long ago was this? Last spring. Oh, that's actually more recent than I would Mm -hmm. have thought. Mm -hmm. Because the game comes out... April 23rd. April 23rd, 2019. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's that's much faster than I would have thought. Mm-hmm. I would have figured it would have taken longer. But And, um... So, but you were so I was, I was familiar, and I had played... And, and funny enough, I had played Mortal Kombat quite a bit on the road with um, the guys. I'm definitely, like, a button pusher. Mm-hmm. And I get very passionate, and I get very heated, and oh, I get so. very competitive. And it's you? one of my favorite sides of Madison Embry. She's quite quite, quite the woman Fire. comes out when I play video games, mm-hmm. and it cracks me up. Um, so I'm looking really forward to playing this one. Uh, but I, I can't say... I don't know. So in that whole like realm of awareness thing, there are people that are much more that ha- like have much more of a familiarity than I do. Mm-hmm. But I do love it, and I think it's great. That's going to be true about everything. What you know what like, I mean? I consider myself a fairly big nerd, and so I go to Comic Con, and I'm like, guys, like I don't, I, I don't, don't know one thing I of this can't encyclopedia. Tell you the individual issues, the Com- plot of like a six year old comic book. Completely. I'm um, like, I'm a Marvel fan. Yeah. yeah. I I can introduce you to seventy who are much bigger than I am. Yeah, yeah, like you know, especially. <laughs> Did you guys what, what, on Marvel? Was there a Marvel person? Was there like a Marvel? No, um, we so when the show was built, we occasionally had visits from Marvel Creative, mm-hmm. and Marvel Creative, especially when you're building a show, they have a lot of say over like what 
casting has to be for heights yeah. and what costumes have to be to maintain and maintain comic integrity and do we want it more yeah like Uh, yes there's a lot of integrity keeping but we know we did not have anyone that show is um feld entertainment show Mm -hmm. and then so mortal kombat was there when when you were playing the characters was there someone there who was like I guess it would have been the director, but how specific were they about like giving you information about the characters or did they expect you to kind of have that? Because those characters all have a very like, very unique way. There's um, a lot of, I think one of my favorite things about it is it's a lot of acting Mm -hmm. and it's very physical work. Mm -hmm. So tying back around to like 18 year old Madison that was had, you know, was physical and probably was an actor, but didn't know she was. I feel like a skill set I've developed over the last years is like becoming an actress. Mm -hmm. And so when you're in those suits, it's just like not enough to move your body. You have to like be a soldier. And so we definitely had people that were telling us what it was they needed us to get across. Um, some of it was like, I had my phone on me and I would be Googling Mm -hmm. to make sure that I had, that I knew. Um, and then other times they would be such short segments of physical action that like, they would be like, this is what has to happen in these five seconds. And you'd be like, okay, that makes sense to me. That's awesome. Did you get to do any like the finishers, any of the big final moves? I have no idea. (laughs) You don't know. I do not know. That's funny. See that weirdly like that, that would have been the thing I would be most excited about. Work on video game that, you know, I've loved my whole life is great, but like, I'd be like, can I just have like one finisher that I know is me? 100%. I think it, that's an, and I'm, it's just going to be really fun to play because I, I have like three very specific things I remember doing Mm -hmm. that. I'm probably going to look for, yeah, yeah. but in the grand scheme of cinematic mode, it might be oh, this be little insane, baby yeah. ant thing that's happening in the background yeah. where I'll just be like, oh, that's so cool. I, I just can't. Marvel was wild in the sense that it was extremely collaborative and there was a mm-hmm. hundred people making something happen. I think motion capture for me was the most, I, I was astounded by how amicable everybody was in such a collaborative environment. Like mm-hmm. it blew my mind. That's awesome. It was so nice. It that's was really so awesome. nice. Yes. Um, well, yeah, that's incredible. Thanks. Um, I think we've been talking for an hour and a half. Holy so, cow. In the interest of people listening to the whole thing. Bless you all. Should. Hi. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, it's just so good to see you again. It's so nice to so see you too. Thank you for doing this. Thank um, you for sharing your stories with me as well. Yeah. I'm sure yes. everyone who listens to this is going to hear the same stories over and over again because I only have five. But no, um, that's okay. That's I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, well, and you hear the hosts often retelling the stories that made them who they are. Right. But it's really cool to hear them bounce that off of the people they're talking with. So when they bring them up, yeah. it's always okay. Um, yeah, uh, Mortal Kombat 11 comes out on April 23rd. Mm-hmm. Marvel Universe: Age of Heroes is, is still, still traveling the country. It uh, is indeed. You might see Madison at a press event. Oh my gosh, who knows? Uh, yes. Yeah, Madison Avery, thank you for getting nerdy. Not tonight. It's very early for me. Uh, but yeah, thanks so much. Thank it's you for having you. me. Uh, do something nerdy night. Bye bye.